We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Ball loose. Give me one, Lance. Give me one, Lance. Stevenson ties it with 1.6. Duarte, he knows where the clock is, lets it fly and hits again. Halliburton at the buzzer. Captain Kush with another one. Brogdon goes inside and Turner finishes. Halliburton leaves it off for Batase. Go, go. Good job. Oh, what a move by Heald. He lays it in. Heald. Hotter than fish grease. Drops it off to Jalen Smith with the poster. Jackson the catch. Jackson the basket. Washington again. Five of them. Pacers got the steal. Out running is Brissette. Pounds it home. It to Taylor. Taylor missed it. Tips it in. Warren lets it fly. Yes! T.J. Warren is not human! Halliburton gonna slam it at the other end! Hey everybody, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace, and thank God I am not solo today because the president of the Jermaine O'Neal Fan Club is back, ladies and gentlemen. Give it up for the newest native of Brooklyn, New York, I guess New Jersey, I should say, the one and only Michael J. Fachi. Fachi, what's going on, man? And the wise words of Ric Flair, woo! <laughs> oh, man, it feels good to be back. Alex, I had some serious FOMO missing out on the last few episodes. Hey, you did a great job, but it feels good to be back. Absolutely. And just real quick, everybody, before we get into today's show, I want to let you guys know you can find us on YouTube. Make sure you check out our YouTube page as we are continuing to upload content there. Be on the lookout for some content this week as we drop some videos. And also, if you haven't already, make sure you leave us a five-star rating and review. Don't want to forget that as we've been pushing the YouTube page. Please do not forget to give us a five-star rating and review. But Fachi, on today's show, what are we talking about? Oh, man, we have some fun stuff going on. We have Rafael Barlow, host of the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast, coming on, one of the best draft analysts in the game. We're going to be breaking down a few of the recent Pacer workouts, but also, you know, kind of how he sees things playing out, maybe who could be in play for the Pacers, but as well as if he sees if the Pacers are to make a move, you know, maybe who they're going at to acquire in the draft. Yeah, I know that. It's really interesting. I think he kind of breaks it down from all different angles, and then we get who he thinks the Pacers ultimately take at a pick six at the end of the conversation. So 
That's really fun too. But we talked a lot of different things here and what the Pacers could do. He said the Pacers, I don't want to spoil anything actually. I don't he just, either. You know, he don't he said some really much. interesting things about the Pacers. I'll just put it that way. So that, that to me was what I took away the most. Like just, uh, you know, keep your eye on Kevin Pritchard. He's like a hawk, you know, just swooping down to get his prey. He's just waiting. And I, and I think we're going to be excited about that much. I think we are too. So sit back and relax. we got some great content coming your way. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Joining us now, Rafael Barlow, host of Locked On NBA Big Board podcast, one of the best draft analysts in the game. Rafael, what's going on? Not too much, man. Thanks for having me on. I, I really appreciate the, the invite. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be a, a, a good episode. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff, man. Rafael, I would just let's, look, I know you're doing this you know, relentlessly. You've been over in Europe for, for many, many months. You're coming back to the States. You're going back and forth. I mean, you have soaked in, I would say, more prospects than, you know, almost just about the, the clear majority would say. But right now, starting at the top of the board, I feel like this year's draft doesn't maybe have as much of a clear-cut number one pick as some of the, you know, more recent ones. In your opinion, who's going number one overall? I think it'll be Jabari Smith. I think we're select uh, he seems to be the, the the favorite right now if it were up to me i would go with bank carroll but i th- think that smith fills a, a hole that the magic need which is outside shooting and he just seems to be the one that a lot of people feel like has the best combination of offense and defensive potential and he has a, a skill set i mean 42 percent from three on five attempts per game also helps out a lot yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Orlando does because really just Jabari and Chet are the only two names that have been really linked to them. But I think Jabari has been linked to them pretty much since the draft lottery. So looking at OKC at two, this is a very interesting spider because we know OKC likes to kind of keep things quiet and then throw a curveball at us. And I'm just curious. There's been some rumblings, maybe Jaden Ivey 
maybe Paulo Boncaro goes there at two, but it seems pretty consensus that Chet goes there. Is that how you're feeling, or do you think they make a, a curveball pick here and kind of mess things up in terms of what everybody expected in terms of this draft? You know, OKC's tough to figure out. I I have heard the rumors about them. If they like Chet or Paolo, if they like either one of them, they could move down to four and get one of them if the, if uh, if they really like Jaden Ivey or, or something like that. Uh, yeah, Sacramento wants one of those guys, and they and the Thunder feel like they like Jaden Ivey, then they can move down and, of course, get another asset in return which seems like that's kind of their their goal is to collect as many assets as possible um i I think it'd be an interesting fit but i do think that he has superstar potential especially the way the nba is played now and his game kind of fits that mode um but you know if no trade happens for whatever reasons i i think chet would be there would be their guy even though it's a little bit of redundancy in a sense with pokachevsky in a sense, as far as like, how do you play both of those guys together? Because uh, they're very, very thin up, up front. But I, I think Chet will be their guy. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see what OKC does because, man, at some point they got to make that big move. But yet, you know, we're talking about, hey, what if they trade back? But hey, classic OKC right there. But, you know, as we move, you know, inch towards the sixth overall pick, Benedict Matherin. The love over here on this side of the microphone for Matherin is genuine. I'm telling you, I'm I'm intrigued by Matherin. He recently worked out for the Pacers as well as the Blazers. But now we're hearing he's got supporters in Detroit at five. In your gut, where do you see Benedict landing in the draft? And what exactly is he bringing to the table for that team? He's one of my guys that I think if he can maximize his or I think that he has a skill set if he can master this skill set then he'll maximize his potential and could end up being one of the top three or four guys in this class when it's all said and done and that is if he if he improves as like a pick and roll uh ball handler and shot creator because he has you know in theory he's at the minimum he's a three and d guy right you figure you can get that out of him at the very minimum, somebody that can play good defense, knock down open shots, score in transition. But if he gets the, you know, and he showed strides and, and, and made improvements as a sophomore, but if he is a guy that you can run as a secondary ball handler and can create off the dribble on top of what he already brings to the table, your best case scenario is this two-way athletic guy that can score on three levels and get to the free throw line. I mean, there's not too many guys in the NBA that that have that combination of skills. So um, if I were a Pacers fan, I'd, I'd be really hoping that he falls to, to Indiana. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with Facha there on Matherin. He's a guy that I love, and I, I think Pacer fans are really starting to jump on board with that as well. There's been a little bit of rumblings about Shaden Sharp falling in that spot around six, but it just seems like there's some question marks there with, you know, does he want to be in Indiana? Does he make a lot of sense for what the Pacers want to do? So uh, what are your latest rumblings that you've heard on Shaden Sharp and kind of like what's going on in his camp right there? Um, You know, like the camp is pretty tight-lipped. There's yeah. really not a lot of information coming out. Only information I have is from, you know, just NBA scouts that I've spoken with. And nobody denies the talent. I mean, everybody thinks that he is a really good talent. It's just all the question marks are around 
why didn't he play at Kentucky? There's some rumblings that he didn't even practice at Kentucky. Um, I've heard some teams say that we have only seen him play in a very freestyling, up-and-down AAU-style system. We haven't seen if he can play in structure. We don't know. I mean, there's just so many unknowns behind mm-hmm. it. And so, um, you know, David Aldridge had an article where he said that one scout had mentioned that it's going to take a front office that has job security or maybe multiple picks that's going to take a risk on him, which it kind of paints a different story than what was painted a month or two ago when people had him going as high as four and five. Now, according to ESPN, I think they got him sliding a little bit, even though he he did get an invite to the green room. But I, I will say this much. I think that social media is higher on him than actual NBA scouts. And not and, and I'm not talking about from a talent aspect. It's just there's so many question marks behind it. And um, you know, as one scout told me, you're not going to know what you're getting until you get him. I think that's a great point. Look, with less than two weeks to go before the draft, I don't know why I still have that many questions about Shaden Sharp, but it, it feels like the idea of Sharp could end up being better than the overall what you get, but at the same point, man, that's why I call him a mystery box. So whoever gets him, hey, you know, kudos to you guys that you got a very talented player, but there's going to be a couple teams that are shaky enough to take him. But Dyson Daniels, six seven guard out of the G League, one of the top, if not the top, international prospect in this draft, just recently worked out for the Pacers. On your show, Locked On NBA Big Board, you mentioned how one of the knocks on Dyson could be how he handles the pressure as a ball handler. How do you envision him in the pros? And would playing alongside a guy like Tyrese Halliburton potentially be the best thing for him? That's an interesting combination. I I mean, just me personally, I don't think Indiana would be the best fit for, for Daniels because I think he's – really similar to Halliburton. Now, I know, like, everything that Halliburton brings, but you're talking about maybe two guys that don't really get to the free throw line that aren't going to, like, collapse the defense, two ball movers. I think maybe if you had, like, this superstar and they were two complementary pieces, it could work. But I just don't – I just – me, I just don't know about that fit. It may be because I'm a little bit more biased towards point guards that can – disrupt the defense by getting in the lane guys that just put tremendous pressure on the rim. And that's kind of like my style that I prefer. And neither one of those guys do that. So I could be a little bit biased, but um, yeah, just, I, I just think it would be a very interesting fit. Yeah. I've, I've heard that comparison too, before of Tyrese Halliburton to Dyson Daniels. And I think it was actually the Pacers.com writer asked him about that and said how their games are similar. And so, you know, while, while on paper, you might think two Tyrese Halliburton's, you can't go wrong with that, but I agree with you. I think the Pacers with this roster, they need to get someone that's a little bit more athletic. And while it does seem like a pipe dream, there's a lot of buzz here hoping the Pacers could potentially trade up and, and get their hands on maybe a Jaden Ivey. Uh, how, how realistic do you think it is the Pacers could move up to pick number four with Sacramento to get a chance to take Ivey in the draft? And um, what do you think about his fit in Indiana? Well, it'll be interesting to see if they want to get up to four, that means they have to make another deal with the Kings. I know. <laughs> which, you know, you think their best asset right now is Miles Turner. <laughs> so or they're Brogdon. not going to. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think like 
the Wizards would probably be a good fit for Brogdon. I, something tells me, like, don't be surprised at some type of Wizards-Pacers swap, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think it would be tough for Indiana to move up unless the Kings are just like, you know, we don't we don't want to draft another guard and we'll move down. We'll move down, but I just wonder who else who else would they would they get in in, in that type of exchange? Unless the Kings are like, because I well I put it like this, I think Sacramento's in like win now mode. Right. I mean, if they missed the playoff for sixteen years, so I guess <laughs> they should have been in win now mode for a while. So I I think that if they were to make that type of it, it would be for another veteran that the Pacers have that they think could come in and help them right away. And I think Brogdon would be a weird fit. They've already had Buddy, which he didn't seem to care for it there. Uh, yeah, I just can't think of, of a scenario that makes sense for Sacramento. Yeah, man, I really do feel like pick four is where the draft could get very interesting if the Kings are to move that pick. But Pacers have also been very vocal about wanting to be aggressive, maybe acquire another first-round pick, maybe even a lottery pick. Say the Pacers stay at pick six and end up trading back into, you know, the back end of the lottery. Which two players or which two picks do you think would be an absolute home run draft for the Pacers? Yeah, I mean, you give me some ideas with this question. I mean, let's say Washington is – desperate and and bill tells them i need to win now right and they work out some type of deal where brogdon goes to washington for the 10th pick now you have six what is it six and ten yep Mm -hmm. now you may be able to you know (laughs) call the thunder and say hey i know you're in asset collection mode would you take six and ten and the future for or two or six ten and Isaiah Jackson for two, then it can really get interesting. Really get interesting there. Man, that's something to think about. I can't imagine the Pacers jumping up to two. Um, man, I don't even know who they would take at that point. With Chet Holmgren more, more than likely on the board there with Paulo and Jaden Ivey, that would just open up so many opportunities. But the Pacers did. Kevin Pritchard did say that he's going to be aggressive, and he's constantly talked about in in, in conversations that he's had with the media, like how he once was able to get Brandon Roy and LaMarcus Aldridge in the same draft when he was running things in Portland. So yep. he's hinted at maybe getting two picks here. So uh, I know one of your guys' podcast, I think it was you and Leaf, talked about teams that could make a trade and the Pacers were one that was brought up. But let's say they do stay at 10. Uh, what player, like let's say they take someone at 6 and 10, what do you think would be the perfect duo there if they have both those picks? Man, the perfect duo would be... Let me think. So maybe Keegan Murray, maybe like Keegan Murray and AJ Griffin, Keegan, or maybe a combination of Matherin and Sohan. That mm. could be interesting. Uh, I'm a little bit more intrigued by that. I, I am too. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I want those. Yeah. Teams. I just like the defensive upside. I'm a big Terry Eason guy, though. I don't know where you have him at on your big board, but I, I really like his upside as well. I like him, too. I, I, I really like him. Uh, I think he's a guy that needs to be in, like, a free-flowing system. I think there's still a little bit of rawness on the offensive end. 
but man, can he defend? And I think his upside is high and he's this defensive playmaker that can generate his own offense with his defense from steals and, and a shot blocker. It's just with Indiana. I feel like this is one, one of the teams where you just don't have any idea in the direction because Carlisle has a reputation for not playing young guys and wanting older guys. But when you have a coach, if that's his mindset, then he's usually not in the lottery. So it's kind of hard to figure out the direction of the Pacers because I don't think that they are a team that was looking for a long rebuild. So it's not like, you know, the Thunder or the Rockets where they're like, oh, we'll take our time. I feel like Indiana is, I mean, of course they want to get better and, and, and younger and a little bit more athletic, but I think it's like a combination of guys that are young and athletic that we think can come in and help us get back to the playoffs that's rather sooner than later. So I, I could see like uh, a Matherin and Sohan, two guys that I think can come in and contribute right away, as opposed to like a Shade and Sharp who has plenty of upside, but you just don't know much about them. So um, a question for you guys, do you think uh, Miles Turner gets moved? Very well could be. He's been in rumors, honestly, since since the day the Pacers drafted him, basically. So you yeah. never know. He's entering a contract year. I think the Pacers have to be taking calls on Turner. I mean, it's only right. But, you know, going into expiring year, injury history, not entirely sure what his market is at this moment. Yeah, and that's what makes it interesting because you don't know what his market is. You don't know if there's a long-term plan to keep to keep him. But if he's moved, then you'd have to think like it's a complete rebuild, right? Yeah. <laughs> so if you if you move him, then is it like, all right, it's, it's time for Isaiah Jackson to, you know, we're going to groom him and develop him, which, again, when you think about Rick Carlisle, he just doesn't, and maybe it's just because he's, I live in Dallas and he's been in Dallas so long that he just seems like a win-now coach as opposed to, a coach that you bring in for a long rebuild and developing. So that's why Indiana is just kind of tough for me. And I, I think that the Pacers are one of the teams that people aren't really talking about that can really shake up this draft. Mm, I, and that's kind of how I feel too. I mean, it's been a lot of, Oh, what will Portland do with Jeremy Grant? You know, and, and that's just kind of continues to be the name. And I'm just thinking Jeremy Grant to me is not worth the fourth or the fifth or the seventh pick in the draft. I know you're a Blazers fan, but like, I get you're trying to win now with Dane, but like I just don't feel like it's worth. I don't think he's worth that, in my opinion. I think he's a good player, but I think he got a little bit magnified because he had one good playoff from with the Nuggets. In terms of his value, I don't think it's as high as a lot of people view it as. But overall, I think with Miles Turner, this is a really interesting player because we know that he's in that final year. It's an expiring deal. I think Mark Stein had it out today on his Substack that he doesn't plan on signing an extension, but he could sign one throughout the season. So it doesn't really matter that much, but he could look to see what options he has in free agency next year, or the Pacers can move him by the trade deadline. So I think they're going to keep their options open with him. But in terms of Rick Carlisle, like him coming here, I get it. Like it was just such a weird dynamic because this Pacers team was supposed to be healthy. And then you had the Warren and Lavert injuries to start the season off with the double bigs between Sabonis and Turner didn't work out. So just to kind of, you know, close all that together, it, it was time to move on. It was time to go younger and make sense. So, I'm curious, though, since you did see him in Dallas, is there any part of you that could see where, you know, 
they made an aggressive move to go out and get Luka Doncic. Do you think the Pacers, I know you talked about maybe that Thunder deal, could do the same thing here and try to go get their guy that maybe helps them take that a giant step next season? Maybe, you know, possibly. Like I said, they could really shake it up. And I don't know if people are really talking about it because they have two veterans that I think a team that feels like they are close to making the playoffs or a playoff team that's looking for an upgrade. The Pacers have two guys, two guys in Miles Turner and Malcolm Brogdon that can really help a team out. So if both of those guys are moved, the Pacers could easily end up with three first round picks. <laughs> and, and so yeah. maybe even two in the lottery. And of course that would signal like a, a full, full rebuild. Um, but the thing about Carlisle, and again, I don't, I mean, I, I don't have all the inside information or whatever, but I know he clashed with Dennis Smith and, you know, the reports are that the reason why he left Dallas is because he clashed with Luka Doncic also. So I, I think it's again, interesting that you have a old school type coach that came up under, you know, I think he played for the Celtics when mm-hmm. yep. in, in, in the eighties. So he has like a old school style in a sense. And I just think it's interesting that if he ends up on a team that is in full rebuilding mode and the, the year with, with Dallas, when they went all in on Luka Doncic, and this is just my opinion. Again, this is just hundred percent my opinion. I don't think Carlisle likes Dennis Smith jr. At all, but obviously for Dennis Smith, he had his best year with, with Dallas as a rookie, but it was almost as if like they gave him the keys to the offense and said, you know what, just go ahead and do whatever you want to do. Cause you are going to help us lose games. <laughs> it happened. <laughs> and, and he ended up basically playing to get replaced because he was bad. I mean, he, you know, he was somewhat exciting, you know, like NBA fans love potential. Like if a team is bad, they want this guy that they drafted to kind of, you know, give them hope. And I feel like Dennis Smith gave, Mavs fans hope because you know he flashed the athleticism he had some big scoring games or whatever and then he helped them get Luca and then I mean it wasn't even six months after it seems like it wasn't even six months after Luca came to town Dennis was gone and he's he's had a hard time finding his footing there so uh it's it will it will be it's almost like Carlisle knew like all right this guy is not in our plans but we're just going to create a little buzz and help him move up and I said all that to say this, I don't know if, if like he actually liked that. And I think he wants to win. I just, just hard for me to see him in a long rebuild. And, and you can make a case and say the Pacers should probably embrace, you know, a rebuild, get rid of Brogdon, get rid of Turner, get some assets and then take their time and then see, you know, if, you're bad again next year, then you can throw yourself in the win Mayama sweepstakes. To me, that makes a little bit more sense than trying to kind of rebuild on the fly. Absolutely. Look, I think all Pacer fans would like a little bit of a longer rebuild. I feel like this is maybe the pre-year before they try and at least be really competitive again, not to say competing for, you know, conference finals, but, you know, competing to be a potentially playoff team. Uh, but I've heard you as we wrap up, I've heard you, you know, rave about Jake LaRavia, small forward out of Wake Forest, being like, you know, maybe the best connector in this draft. I've seen him creeping up some mock boards. Which other sleepers, you know, could be on the rise, perhaps maybe creeping into that top 20 
area because the Pacers also have pick 31 and last year they traded up from right around 31 to 22. So who do you see in that early twenties range that no one's talking about? Well, you know, Laravia is an Indianapolis guy. Mm -hmm. So I think that would be pretty cool for him. Uh, I talked to him about it. Like what would it be like to, you know, to go home and, and I mean, he, he thinks it would be awesome, but um, he's hoping that he's not around. When the Pacers, when the yeah. Pacers pick, um, in the twenties that I think could be a sleeper, you know what? Honestly, this this may sound crazy, but I think there's not much of a difference between fifteen and thirty five, right? So I think that somewhere the Pacers could end up with a guy in at thirty. They're at thirty one, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. At thirty one, who mocks have as a mid first round pick. So let's say I'm just going to throw out a name. Let's say it's somebody like Kendall Brown, right? Some people think he could be, you know, in the teens, but if he falls to 31, I'm not shocked at all. Right. Or it could be, I mean, it could be a number of guys that, that could fall in that range. So I think they're in a, in a pretty good spot, but as far as guys that could be moving up in the twenties, um, let me think. Maybe like Christian Coloco. I mean, I, I've seen, you know, some people saying that uh, he, he's he's on the rise, and I, I and I do think he is because he has such a good shooting at the combine. But he could be someone that was kind of mocked as a second round pick that could work his way up. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's just again, I, I just don't think there's that big of a gap, and there could be some of the guys that didn't have strong seasons in college as freshmen that end up getting drafted higher than their numbers in college suggest. And then there's Gabriel Prashida, who I actually really like for the Pacers at 31. And I just saw today that he's going to stay in the draft. Italian kid, athletic, very confident shooter, shot over 40% from three, just fits the role of your three and D or your floor spacer that can get out and transition and score doesn't necessarily need a bunch of touches to be effective. And I think he is like one of the best complimentary pieces that could, uh, that could really help a team like Indiana, especially if you have, uh, you know, if you, if you have, if you value shooting and then he could definitely give them some, some more outside shooting. Cause when they made the trade with Sacramento, they took all the King shooting and, and brought it to Indiana. <laughs> Awesome, man. Well, I know we got to let you out, uh, get got to let you get going here because I know you got to get out of here. But um, real quick, as we wrap this up, I'm assuming that Jabari, Chet, and Paulo go one, two, three. So, real quick, give me your four, five, and six, and who you think the Pacers ultimately take in this upcoming NBA draft? All right, let's go. Uh, <laughs> how I think it plays out? Yeah. How I think it will play out would be uh, Jabari Smith one to the Thunder, uh, Chet Holmgren, two, to the uh, Oklahoma City, Paolo Carroll three, to Houston. I think Jaden Ivey, four, to uh, Sacramento. At number five, I think the Pistons will go with Benedict Matherin. And then I think at six, you guys get Keegan Murray. All right. All right. Well, very interesting to see Keegan Murray has not worked out for the Pacers yet. I've been keeping my eyes on that because, hey, if he gets past four or five, he's definitely in play at six. So, Raphael, I really appreciate you coming on. 
Tell everybody where they could find you out on find you on Twitter and what you have going on with your show. Well, thanks for having me on. I like you guys' show. And, um, you know, the first time I came on, it was it was great. I, I think I did it from Italy. You did, <laughs> so, yeah. Appreciate and we it. Had, yeah, we had a little difficulty. I had, had some difficulties with Wi-Fi before, and we were able to make it happen. So I'm glad I was able to make this a whole lot easier. I'm at home in Dallas now. But, yeah, you can find me at my Twitter is Barlow, B-A-R-L-O-W-E-5-0-0. I'm on NBABigBoard.com. That is the newsletter that I took over for Chad Ford. And then um, Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. We're doing five days a week. So pretty accessible. A lot of draft talk. So, yeah, if that's where you want to find me. If you're looking for me, that's where you can find me at. Well, we definitely appreciate it. Keep up the awesome work. And we'll have to have you, you know, back on the show at some point soon. But, hey, good luck with the rest of coverage leading up into the draft. Yeah, no problem. Thanks again. And, you know, if you want me on after the draft or after summer league, just send me a message and we'll make it happen. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, everybody. There was Rafael Barlow, NBA Big Board. Make sure you give him a follow on social media. And if you haven't already, go to your podcast provider and subscribe to his podcast as we are ramping up the next couple of days before the NBA draft. But Fachi, anything else you want to touch on here before we go? I would just say, hey, by the time you're listening to this, A.J. Griffin will have worked out for the Pacers, and they are really ramping it up in terms of uh, some of the bigger-name prospects coming in. This is one of the best times of the year as a basketball fan because it's endless possibilities. I mean, the Pacers could even end up drafting someone that they haven't worked out. It happens all the time, but, you know, those that do come in Indiana, we got our eye on you. Absolutely. So I I think what I am just kind of – curious about it's like all this time we thought Matherin would be there at eight we thought he'd be there at maybe 10 but but now there's talk about him going at five to Detroit Fachi I'm hoping this is all smoke I'm hoping it is too man because we knew when we did that draft you know lottery live reaction podcast the Pistons at five it felt like it was like oh man this is a player that we are going to see in the division for a long time but also no one really knows what they're going to do. They don't have a specific direction. So it feels like just about everyone's in play for Detroit at five. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to me, what would be ideal is Keegan Murray just goes to four <laughs> to Sacramento. Um, they need to win now. They they probably feel like Jaden Ivey is just, you know, not the best fit since they already traded away Tyrese. So maybe they get, you know, silly and, and pass on Ivy, take Keegan Murray. Then Ivy goes to Detroit and then you get Matherin at six, or if they like Matherin, Ivy falls to six. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I would feel much better if Sacramento really just took one for the team here and drafted uh, Keegan Murray at four. <laughs> it would be great. And Sacramento has quote taken one for the team quite often in the NBA draft. I mean, they're, they're taking one for just about every other team because they've had some sketch picks in the past, but man, you got to feel like at some point they're going to get it right. And that, that's what I fear. I fear that at this point, if only Shaden Sharp was maybe rising rather than falling a little bit, I think that would help the Pacers out a bit. But for now, 
man, it, it's it's gonna be fun because a lot of people like Benedict Matherin, but at least the Pacers are ahead of most of them. Yeah, anything is possible. I'm curious to see what happens. So, with that being said, Fachi, let the people know where they can find us out on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Goldman NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook, Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok, Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Yeah, youtube.com slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast. If not, you can just click the link in our Instagram bio if you can't remember all that. And I'll also put a link in the description here of the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. Fachi, if you're excited, the draft is less than... 10 days away, say these three words. Let's go Pacers!